If you have your Bibles, open up with me to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3. While you're turning there, I want to make sure that you know a little something about me today. That I recognize this is one of the most significant days of my life. I'm humbled at the opportunity that is before us today. I do not assume the position, but I am humbled at the opportunity that is in front of us. I recognize the significance of this day for us as a church, and I understand the significance of this day for myself and my family. And I want to say to you that I believe it's monumental. I believe it's that big of a deal. And so it's a joy for me to open up Ephesians to a text that probably has empowered most of my times in prayer over the past few years uh, to a place, in fact, that is a prayer found in Scripture that has been the framework of many of my petitions to the Lord. I would say maybe daily have I prayed this prayer for myself and for my family, and I've prayed it for you. I've prayed it for this church. I've prayed it for those that we do not know yet. That's how big of a passage this is for me in my life in God's Word. And yet it is also a passage that, to my knowledge, I have never preached before. Taught it in small groups, but never actually preached this text before. And so with joy, I tell you to look to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Let's read it together. God's word says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. God, may you grant us today the ability to read, to study, to hear this passage of Scripture. And in your strength, by your Spirit, may it dwell deeply in our hearts. Empower us to good works. May you transform us even as we hear your word today, Lord. I pray this. In the name of Jesus, amen. This is a passage that falls right in the middle of the book of Ephesians. And due to time, I, I will not uh, go too far into detail about the framework of Ephesians. But I will tell you this, and if you're a note taker, it would be a good time to take notes. Ephesians 1 to 3 really tells us this is what God has done for us. And this is what he has for us in Christ. This is the gospel of Jesus, Ephesians 1 2 through 3. This is what God has done for his people in Christ. Chapters 4 through 6, this is what God desires us to do in response to what Christ has done in and for us. So it's a very practical book to read and to study. First three chapters, this is what you need to know about what Christ has done. Verse uh, chapters 4 through 6, this is what we do in response 
chapter 3 has a prayer right at the end. It's the second prayer in the book of Ephesians. The first prayer is found in chapter 1, and it's a prayer that the church body would know. That we would have knowledge about Christ and what he's done, what we have in him. That knowledge of the inheritance that we have that motivates us to life. But then chapter 3, this text that we will read, that text that we just heard read, is a doxology at the end of a prayer where Paul prays that we wouldn't just know. We wouldn't just know, but we would do. That we wouldn't just have knowledge of what he has done, but we would live in the power that he gives us. And that is my prayer for Alberta Baptist Church. This is the text I would preach. I would preach it if it wasn't, you know, a day where I know that at the end of the service there will be a vote. That's not why I'm preaching this text. I preach this text because I love this church. And I believe this is God's heart for Alberta Baptist Church. This is his heart for the church at large. That we wouldn't just know him, but that we would live in his power. That we'd live in his power. I want to illustrate this. I I actually heard John MacArthur do this years ago. uh, But an illustration that really helps us to to get a picture of what I'm saying is that it's possible, and some of you uh, in this room, you may be able to do this, that you know literally every part of a vehicle. You know, you, you could like name every, every piece of a car, every part that goes into an engine. And not only could you name those parts, but you know how they relate to the function of a vehicle. If this messes up, it's going to mess up that. It's going to affect this if that messes up. You know how to do that. I'm not one of those people. But you may be. But I want you to know it's possible for you to know the function. It's possible for you to know every piece that goes into a vehicle and yet never drive a car. It's possible. It could sit in your driveway. On the flip side to this example, it is very possible, and I'm an example of this, is that you don't have to know anything about how the car really functions. You can hop in that car and you can drive it till the wheels fall off because you understand the function. You understand what you have in that vehicle in a much greater way. It is very possible for us to take the gospel, the truth that we know, even if we don't understand every aspect of it, take the truth, believe the power, and live in it until, as the example goes, our wills fall off, until we die. See, that's what we are called to do is to believe the gospel enough to live it out. My friend Jason Curry, he he often says, he says, you only believe what you do. You only really believe what you do. And church, I believe the Bible teaches us that as well. There's a lot for us to know. But today what we see is that there's a power in prayer. There is a prayer that sits here in Ephesians 3 that says, knowing is not enough. Let us take what we know, the power that he offers us, and live it out. As individuals and as his church. So this doxology has a, a phrase in it that, that I love and it will launch us into our message for today. And, and you, do get a, you do get a story. The, the message is this. It's that God is able. He is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ever ask or think. 
The, the King James Version, it, it says that I, I have to say it the way it's, it's exceedingly, he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. My favorite, I believe, in this case is the NIV, that he is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Like, you could not imagine a greater plan for God's church than he has for his church. You couldn't come up with it. And as individuals, we couldn't imagine a greater plan than what he desires for us as individuals in him. Now, I think I stand before you today with an example, an illustration, and it happens to be my life. It happens to be the really highlighted today. That Colby Mache preaches a message today for a vote after the service to potentially be the pastor of Alberta Baptist Church. This passage of scripture testifies. It gives a small shadow, a small picture of this, an illustration in that God has been able to do in me immeasurably more than I could have ever imagined. It was about eight years ago that I was driving down University Boulevard. I was on my way to Eastgate Gallery. It was a family business that I loved, a business that I was very much enjoying working in. I love my father. I love my family. It was actually a joy to work with my family. It may not be the testimony of everyone, but it was for me, and I really enjoyed the future that I had laid out for me there. I remember I was driving uh, right past Alberta Baptist Church. I did that often. I mean, I, it's only, it was only two buildings over from here where I worked. But one day in particular, I drove by and had a massive desire birthed in my heart. It was one I had never had before. Uh, I had never dreamed of doing vocational ministry of any kind. In fact, I had... Uh, loved serving in my church. I went to Skyland Baptist Church. I enjoyed working with my best friend, John Wiggins, and serving in the student ministry there and teaching a fifth grade Sunday school class. Enjoyed those things, but never imagined vocational ministry for my future. It, it was only a couple months earlier that I had gone home and told Catherine that, that I was going to consider going to seminary. No desire for vocational ministry, but I just had an off day that fit a schedule for an extension center in Birmingham. David Platt was teaching a class, and it seemed like a great way to be a better Sunday school teacher, to learn a little bit. And that is really why I went to seminary, was I just wanted to learn. No, no desire for a degree. Didn't even know at the time when I signed up that it was a master's degree. I just literally wanted to learn. That is how... That is how I was going into this. Well, on that day, there I go driving past, and God bursts a desire in my heart, and he says, you're the man for the youth pastor job at Alberta Baptist. Uh, how did I know about it? Well, I knew about it because my friend Alan had, had been talking with the pastor, I mean, the uh, youth committee that were looking for a student minister or the personnel, uh, he had been talking with them and he had told me about it. And so I, I knew that was something that was avail available for him. And he was discussing it while I go driving by one day and the Lord says, you're the man. 
It bothered me so much that I went to my office at Eastgate Gallery. I got on the web. I searched out the website. I found Larry Corder's uh, picture and story there on the website. I got a phone book out. I looked his number up in the phone book, and I called him. Before I even talked to my wife, I called Larry Corder, and I said, I don't know what to do with this, but I have a desire. I think I need to talk with you about the youth ministry position at Alberta Baptist. That, that's crazy. Went home and told Catherine. A few months later, in fact, December 13th of 2006, I went over to Lanny and Donna Holbrook's house, sat in the living room with some students that had no idea anything about them. I, I taught them a, probably a horrible lesson. I mean, I, 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 look, I don't want to look at my outline that I did that night. It was probably pathetic and had words spelled wrong. But I, but I, I told them uh, that I desired to teach them and make disciples. And I remember that's where I started. Lanny and Donna's home. And December 17th of 2006, the church unanimously voted me in as the student pastor of Alberta Baptist Church. That summer, uh, I had another desire birthed in my heart. It was to leave the family business, the one that I said I, I didn't want to leave. In fact, I was excited about the Alberta position, one, because it was bivocational. But come that summer, God placed a bigger desire in my heart, one that said, you have to do this. You have to spend your life in full-time vocational ministry. And I didn't understand it. I went to Keith Pugh. I remember talking to him about it. And he said, Colby, if you can do anything with your life except, I mean, outside of pastoral ministry and do it to the glory of Jesus, then you should. And I couldn't. And I remember not knowing how we would be full-time, how that would work. And as you know, those of you who have followed the story, it is a really good story, by the way, is it was my salary was paid outside of the budget for two years. A check was on the desk. I got a phone call at Six Flags, and Larry Corder said, we've got the money to make you full-time here. God provided it. When did he provide it? Three days after we asked him to provide it. couple years into ministry, started becoming, in some ways, my own as a, a leader in the church, a young leader, began to love what I was doing, began to love preaching the gospel, and in 2009, at the, getting to the end of, of seminary, because by the way, I started going full-time seminary in 2007 as well, I was getting ready to finish up, and I remember just considering the future. Considering what God would have for us, uh, beginning to believe that he had called me to be a pastor, not a professor, a pastor, believing that he called me to do that very thing, I, I began to be open to praying, to asking him what he would desire. And I remember right in the midst of those prayers, a few opportunities came my way. And they were enough to draw my attention and shake up my heart, to shake up my mind uh, enough to have to cling to the Lord and ask Him for wisdom. And I remember at the end of those, at the time, very exciting and seemingly fitting opportunities, I remember coming to the end and saying, I cannot go. I cannot leave. I remember crying on my couch saying, Catherine, I don't want to leave. And she said, well, why would we? The voice of wisdom from my wife. 
Why would we? From 2009, December of 2009, until today, I have been convinced and confident in my calling of being the pastor of Alberta Baptist Church. Whether people have agreed, whether that has been something that I shared with others, I can't say. But I have been very confident and affirmed in many ways in that calling. Now what I would say to you is this, God has done immeasurably more in my heart and in my life than I would have ever asked him to do. Even to this point, and Lord willing, there's a lifetime ahead. I would also tell you this, there's a whole lot of people in this world that can preach the gospel. Thankfully, isn't that wonderful? There's so many people who can preach the gospel. And, and to be real with you, a lot of people that can preach, I'm sure, better than me. There's a lot of people who I believe are better leaders, I'm sure, got to be. I mean, there's experts in leadership. There are certainly more people in this world with more pastoral experience than myself. But I want you to know today that none of them, none of them have walked with you for almost eight years. None of them know how we function as a church. And in some ways, none of them know how we can potentially dysfunction as a church. Like I do. And though I am sure that there are very capable, spirit-empowered people that would love to lead you, I say to you today that I love you, and I want to give my life to you. And I don't know if anybody else can say that. God has done in my life immeasurably more than I ever imagined. That's his heart. And today he leads us to a text that I will say to you, God desires to do immeasurably more than we could imagine as a church. Look with me at your bulletin at our outline today. And I want you to see it's just one sentence. It's one point. We're going to break it down for the rest of our time this morning. Today's truth. I've taken this from Ephesians chapter 3 verses 20 through 21. Today's truth is that God desires, and He is able. He doesn't just desire things, He can do it. God is able, God desires and He is able to use this church body to bring glory to His Son until His Son brings this church body into His glory truth today. I'm going to make it a little more personal. My desire for you in light of that truth is that God would use this church body to bring glory to his son until his son brings this church body into his glory. Let's break it down one part at a time. Part A, if you will, that God desires to use this church body. I, I don't know 
where you are when you hear that. I don't know what happens in your heart or in your mind, but maybe you need to hear this theological truth, and it's this. is that God, He does not need us to fulfill His ultimate mission. He doesn't. He, he does not need us. He's not a needy God. God has never been needy. He never will be. He does not need us. He is not served, the Bible says, by human hands. But here's the wonderful truth about God. He uses human hands to serve. God doesn't need us. He loves us. It's better. He's not needy. He loves us so much that he desires to empower us to live in us in this world. He wants to use us as an instrument of grace and of mercy, of compassion, of love. He wants us to be a picture, a mouthpiece of him and his glory. That's what God desires to do. He doesn't need us. He literally wants us. To me, that one-ups needing. He does not need us. I think there's a great passage. I, I, I love to remind myself of this. He doesn't ultimately need me. I, I love in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul is discussing leadership and divisions in the church over leadership. And he starts talking about him. He goes, look, some people follow Apollos. Some people follow, you know, Paul. Some people follow this guy or that guy. He says, but we follow Jesus. That's who we follow. And he says, and here's why. He says, look, but Paul says, look, I watered, you know, uh, or I planted, Apollos watered. He said, but it was God that gave the growth. He said, neither the one who waters, neither the one who plants matters at all. But it's God who gives the growth. What a humbling truth. Now, once again, God does not need me. He does not necessarily need you. He wants you. He loves you. He desires to use you. And not just in anything, not just hanging out, not just doing. He wants to use you in a worldwide, unstoppable mission. A mission that will not stop. It will not be finished until he says it's finished. It will be one that will not end with this world. It goes on forever with Christ, the one who lives. He, he died and he rose alive and he will never die again. His people will die and we will raise like him to never die again in glory. Jesus, he doesn't need us. He loves us and he wants us. He loves this church. I, I need you to hear that today. I think it's important for you to hear that I believe, and the Bible proclaims, more importantly, that God desires to use this church, this church, Alberta Baptist Church, God desires to use us. Not some other people that he might bring here, though I hope he brings people here. Not some other group or thought. He wants to use you, you, to accomplish greatness for him and his namesake. So first, that God desires to use this church body to bring glory to his son. He desires to display his power through us. I, I don't know if you're aware of this. I, I'm really being facetious when I say that. I know you know. 
that what he calls us to, we can't do in our own power. Uh, What he calls us to is to live out the great commission to make disciples of all nations. And he calls us to live out the great commandment, to love God with all our heart, to love our neighbor as ourselves. He calls us to two things that involve our doing. And yet the only way our doing matters is his power in us. That's exactly what he says here. He says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. It's not the power that we contain naturally. It's the power that comes from God. It's the power that he loves to give to his people, his church, to accomplish his purposes. God wants to use this church. Isn't that great? He wants to use you. Whatever age you are, it doesn't matter what stage of life you're in. He wants you. He wants you a part of his purposes here at Alberta Baptist Church. Secondly, he wants to use us to bring glory to his son, part B. To bring glory to Jesus. You know, one of the most freeing aspects of today for me was one, I love preaching. And I love you, so that made it easy. The second part was this, is that I remembered today, this is not about me. It's not about me. I I want everybody in this church to hear me say this today. Alberta Baptist Church is not Colby's church. It cannot be now. It will never be. Alberta Baptist Church is Jesus' church. That's whose church this is. He is the head. We are the body. We are under him. Jesus Christ is the head of this church. And what we do here, what we do from here, what we do out there, whatever we do, it is not for us. It is for him. The beautiful truth of the Bible is this, though. When we live for the glory of God, it is for our good and our joy. Our purposes lead us to great, deep joy in Jesus. But his purposes are not for the glory of his people, but for the glory of his son. That's who we live for. Everything we do today is for Christ. It's for Christ. It's for his fame. It's for him to be known in Alberta City. It's for him to be known for all of you here. Jesus Christ is who we function for. We live for him. Isn't that what the passage Larry read was? What a beautiful text. I I asked him to read it because it's such an important text to me. 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 14 and 15. that, That we are controlled If we get it, if we see, if we look deep into the gospel daily, we're controlled by the love of Jesus. Controlled to the point that we say we do not live for ourselves any longer, but for him who died. That's who we live. That is the most freeing way to live. It's not safe, but it's free. It's free to live for the glory of another. He is who we are about today. Lastly, hear it again. God desires to use this church body for the glory of his son until his son brings this church body into his glory. When I studied this this week, it it really jumped out at me, uh, or a place in this text jumped out that I had never really recognized before. I've, I've certainly quoted it, I've certainly read it and seen it, but it was this. Is, it says, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. 
Now what I might say is, is this to be clear, is this is about something bigger than Alberta Baptist. Okay, you understand that. I mean, this is, this is about the universal church of the Lord. This is, this is really big, but I also want to say it's not less than about Alberta Baptist Church. We can take this scripture and see that God desires to use this church for the glory of His Son for generation to generation to generation to generation to leave a big footprint in Alberta City and in the world for Christ. There are so many people who get that. Sorry, it's a big deal for me. It's a big deal. I love my kids. I love my kids. And I want my children to experience what I've experienced here. And it's that I've seen people, and I want to lead people, to do the same that I have witnessed in Spurgeon Davis. People who they, they left. He, he's with Jesus, but he left a footprint here. And the footprint was so massive of prayer, of a praying person. Transformation left here by a man who's with Jesus. Emily Thomas, just a sweetheart to me and my family. Emily Thomas has poured into generation after generation after generation. She loves kids. She teaches kids. Everybody here probably has been in her Sunday school class because that's what she does is she teaches. She teaches. She invests deeply. Why? Because she loved God. And what will happen is one day, it doesn't matter how long, if, I, if we are able to be alive, we will go. Emily Thomas has left a massive footprint for Christ here in this church family. And I believe in the world. I watch people, Donna Holbrook, Lanny, y'all are heroes to me. I watch you love people unlike what I can do. Like it's not even, it's like it's almost not capable of my mind thinking about people like you do. You love people. You leave a massive footprint of Christ. And it leaves a footprint, a taste of people in people's mouth of Alberta Baptist Church is a relevant place because people love Christ there. Thank you for doing that. There's people all across the room who you get this passage, even though you may not have studied this passage, you know that what Christ desires is something bigger than you. It is to leave his glory throughout all the world, including Tuscaloosa, including Alberta City. And I'll just tell you, including the hallways here, including this room, the gym, God wants to make memories here that are more than memories. He wants to transform here that leaves impact for eternity. How long does he want to do it? Until he comes back. Until he comes back. I'll, I'll end with this. I, I was asked... Recently, probably a year ago, I was asked this question. Colby, why would you not leave this church 
and go plant a church? That was the question that was asked. It was by one of my professors. Why would you not leave where you are to plant a particular church? And I looked at him and I said with confidence, because God has called me here and I believe I will be here until God is able to plant churches from this church. Bigger impact. Bigger God. Immeasurably more than you or I could ever think. More than we could ever imagine is what he wants to do through this church body. Let's pray. Lord, you have you have plans. You have purposes. You have promises that we can cling to today. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that it is in your heart, it is your desire to use us uh, for your glory. You, you give us power to do it. You, you give us everything that we need to accomplish your mission. It, it's, it's bigger than a building. We have everything we need to grow in the flesh. But God, you desire to grow us by your spirit to transform. Thank you for this church. Thank you for those who love you, who know you and serve you. Thank you for what you have done uh, here over years and years and years, the impact that you have left. Any transformation that has ever taken place from this place, God, we thank you. But God, we ask for the future that you would do immeasurably more than we could even imagine. God, do that for the name of your Son in your Son's power, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And the invitation today is simply to respond in whatever way God has spoken to your heart. It may be something in a direct way, just a, a new, what you feel God leading you to do in your life outside of these walls.